Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I'm your host, Kerwin Ray. And today we are back in Santa Monica, beautiful LA. The sun is shining. And today we talk to Alyssa Goodman. Oh my God. Alyssa is a holistic nutritionist and lifestyle cleanse expert. Having actually had her own cancer diagnosis, she was actually diagnosed with Hodgkinson's lymphoma at the age of 32. She actually explored a range of different holistic alternatives and combined them with traditional treatments and was able to beat the disease. Unfortunately though, her husband Mark also received a non-Hodgkinson's lymphoma diagnosis when he was only 45 and after a regimen of doctor prescribed chemotherapy and two bone marrow transplant unfortunately he died so Alyssa's seen both sides of the equation she's worked with clients who suffer a whole range of different issues autoimmune thyroid weight gain allergies nutritional cancer and you name it she's actually got an incredible book called cancer hacks and in this conversation we talk about intermittent fasting we talk about fasting we talk about stress regulation we even talk about psychedelics ladies and gentlemen and also the importance of having a good supplemental routine to support your health and your nutrition. This was one of the most incredible podcasts that we've ever recorded on health. You're gonna wanna check it out. Listen up, Alyssa Goodman. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive, but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com ladies and gentlemen it's my absolute honor to welcome to unstoppable Alyssa goodman thank you for coming down well thank you for having me oh look i'm stoked especially <laughs> here in santa monica Holy. we just had the boat the, the sailboats go sailing by it's a beautiful day it's a gorgeous day and i'm excited because your story is really quite incredible uh and before we actually jump into your story and everything that's going to come with that um tell for people who don't know who you are who is Alyssa Goodman? Is it Alyssa or Alyssa? It's Alyssa. Okay, good. You had it right the first time. Alyssa Goodman. Who is Alyssa Goodman? Alyssa Goodman is right now a holistic nutritionist and cleanse expert is my title. Mm. And um, I, I treat people with all kinds of health issues, cancer, autoimmune, digestive issues, um, hormones. I see people one-on-one. And then I run cleanses in Los Angeles. I have a soup cleanse. That is not just soups, but really organic, fresh food that I cook and deliver to a hundred people every month. Wow. So yeah, and it's, it's just growing. It's really fun. So, and I have, you know, a juice at Erewhon, which is a natural food market here. Yeah. That is, um, really well known and fabulous. And then I have a salad at uh, Cafe Gratitude, another really healthy restaurant called I'm Cleansed. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm in the health and wellness arena yep. um, and that's who I am. I've got just... your own signature dishes. <laughs> wow, you really are a foodie. You were saying before you're a foodie. I didn't realize this to, to what degree. I love food. So you heal people for a living. I try to heal people for a living, What yeah. an incredible job. Yeah. And it's you, so you're working at the, at, the, at the end where you're dealing with the, the, can, like the serious heavy illnesses 
And I'm going to assume you've actually seen illnesses in some cases that have been terminal that have resolved? Yes, absolutely. Yep. I mean, what I've seen is so miraculous. I mean, I know for me that I was diagnosed at an early age at 32 of Hodgkin's lymphoma, Mm -hmm. and that was terrifying because you always think, I mean, I'm 59 today, but 32 at years ago. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I do feel great. I've never felt better in my life, but at 32, when they say the word cancer, you totally think you're going to potentially die. And you know, even when it's stage and early stage, you're still not sure what the, you know, outcome is for you. So it's really scary. And I wasn't very well growing up. I was always sick a lot. I I think I had a low immune system. So I was always catching everything that came along. I had chicken pox and mono and strep and, you know, just all kinds of digestive issues. So there was, I was, and I was chronically fatigued. And I also had two parents who were very type A and very motivated in their life. So not only did I feel behind the eight ball with my health, but I felt behind the eight ball with my like motivation to like get things done in life because they were movers and shakers. And because I didn't feel well, I wasn't measuring up. So I, so I really, I think had a low self-esteem, self-worth because of that. And then my health. So that diagnosis I'm going to assume was like, it was life changing for you. Yeah. So prior to that diagnosis, were you actually in the health space, in the no, health industry? I what? was in the marketing advertising business. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so where, did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in Chicago, okay. and I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I like Phoenix. I spent a lot of time in Phoenix. <laughs> I won't comment on Phoenix now. It was a great <laughs> place. It's, it's just too great hot. Great weather. <laughs> it's too hot. Um, you got a pool, and the fine. politics are a little yeah, you know, yeah, right. not up my alley. But I, I grew up there, and it was a, was a great place to grow up. But then when I graduated, I went to school in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. But when I graduated, I ran to New York City and right. I never looked back. So I lived Madison in New York. Madison Avenue. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Advertising world. Okay. So loved it. Just fast pace. Fast pace. Climbing so the- you became the type A that you were aspiring to be. Yeah. I and you did. were living the life. Right. Making the money. Yep. Banking the checks, doing yeah. the pitches. Yep. Doing billboards. <laughs> Yes, all of the and above. And then one day it just all comes to a screeching halt. So what was ha- what started to show up in your life at that time when you started to go, oh, I think I might be a little bit unwell. Like what were some of the symptoms that came about? Well, I always had symptoms because um, right. even in New York it was tough. Uh, coming from Arizona with the warm weather and then going to the cold weather and I was always sick and I was always fatigued and, um, you know, late nights and lots of like entertaining and Really bad food, bagels and coffee, and you know the whole gamut. Hot dogs. Um, yeah, hot do- <laughs> living on sushi. Those were the days yeah. where we all lived on sushi. Not even healthy sushi. So <laughs> yeah. um, you'd walk into the restaurants and they were smelly, fishy, you know. But still, it was like cheap and it was dietetic for us women in those days. So, well, it never really felt well. And one day, I said to my husband, who was from Queens, who was in the advertising business as well, I said, you know, what what do you think about moving west? And he goes, New Jersey? Like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, California. A bit better. <laughs> and he was like, I'd, he'd never been to California, never seen the Pacific Ocean. Um, but it was not a tough sell because he was a golfer. He loved basketball. And um, he was with ABC TV. So they really relocated oh, him. Yeah. It was easy. So then I landed here and I ended up landing a dream job with Vogue magazine. Um, and lo and behold, I got in way over my head with what they expected from me. So the expectations were really high. I couldn't meet them with my energy and just how I felt. And I was diagnosed six months later. So. What was it that made you go to the doctor though? 
Because you've said you've I, always, or did you always, were you always at the doctor? No, no. Right. It was interesting. I didn't go to the doctor. I was getting a massage and I was sitting up just like I am now. And the masseuse was massaging my neck and my collarbone and there was a swollen lymph node on my collarbone. Wow. And she was like, you're really not supposed to have a swollen lymph node there. You could have them on your neck, but the collarbone, so you should get that checked out. And then I, I went to the doctor probably a couple of days later and he didn't eat, we didn't biopsy it or anything, but he felt it. And he was like, oh, my God, that's probably cancer. And I'm like, whoa. No one wants to hear that's probably cancer. Mm -hmm. He had not a great bedside manner. Most doctors really don't. No, that's true. (laughs) That's a sad thing, even today. Yeah, so it was. so then the tests were done, it came back. It came back in early You remember when the test results were read out to you? Yes, it was also quite scary because. Was it surreal? Was it it one of those moments where everything just slowed down? Yeah. Absolutely. Walk and just, I kind of thought that, wow, all of the culmination of not feeling well all my life and um, never feeling really good about myself and grounded and calm or centered um, and always playing catch up, you know, that feeling, never feeling like you ever caught up in life with anything, all came to a screeching like halt. It was like, wow, all that has now caught up to me. And um, it was a good and a bad thing. It was yeah. it was a good thing because I was like, it, you know, now is my time. I got to get my shit together because yeah. um, things weren't working for me. And I, and then it was also bad because it was like, wow, you know, I've been living like this solidly for 32 years, not feeling so great. Mm. And, and culminating in cancer felt pretty drastic. Mm. Was it an emotional experience in the doctor's office that day? Very, yeah. very. Was your yeah. husband with you? Yes, yeah. yeah. And they basically were like, you know, you're going to have to do chemo, radiation. We might have to freeze your eggs because you haven't had kids yet. Um, I had had two miscarriages prior to the diagnosis. So, and it was just all those. And then also, do you have a donor? Because we might have to do a transplant. It was like, they, you know, they were so far ahead of what potentially might have happened, you know, for me, um, and that it really even scared me even more. Wow. So what it came down to was I reluctantly went to a third opinion from a friend who said, you got to go see this guy at St. John's here in Santa Monica. And he was a radiologist oncologist. And I had my slides and it was stage and all that. And I went to him. It was such a beautiful moment. And I sat down and he looked at the slides and everything, and he's like, tell me about your life. Are you stressed? Are you happy? Do you love what you do? And out of all the three doctors, he was the first one to ask those questions. And I burst into tears, like wow. hysterical. I was like, I am miserable. I'm just, I, you know, I, I, I'm not happy. I don't like what I do. I hate my job. Um, I got in over my head. You know, I... Moved my husband to LA, not the easiest place to meet people. Um, all our friends were in New York and, uh, it was just, and I just didn't feel good about me and at all. And I was, he's like, you know what? We need to get you into therapy and get your emotional well-being, wow. you know. Not chemotherapy. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What so a it was, response. he didn't say what I should do, chemo, right. radiation, but, it was really beautiful because I realized then, you know, I started, that's when I, the light bulbs went off and I went, wow, 
you know, I can heal this without maybe doing chemo and maybe not the full radiation course. Um, and not so you do, didn't end up doing the chemo? I didn't do the chemo. Or the full radiation? No, he didn't do either. Okay. I just chose on my own, you know, I took it in my own hands. It was really scary. I can imagine. So what do you do? You got the diagnosis. You see, get the third opinion. It tells you you need therapy, yes. which is great. Right. It's like, okay, great. Which I, I went therapy into therapy. As well. <laughs> <laughs> and so you go into therapy. Yeah. But how do you start the journey of looking for alternatives? Were you open? Were you, have you always been open-minded? Yeah, like, I have always yeah. been open about it. I mean, um, way back in my life, my mom uh, had asthma, and uh, she was always, you know, kind of looking into healthy alternatives because when she moved to Arizona, it, it, you know, she thought it was going to be a great place for asthma, but it really wasn't. With all the lawns and irrigation and everything, it wasn't great for her asthma. So she was always into, like, looking for alternatives. She took... Right you know, Diet Coke and Coke out of our house, sugar. And um, she also was, you know, whole wheat bread instead of white and all those things. Not that I didn't go and get those things elsewhere as a kid, but um, she was definitely on so that So the influence track. was there. The influence was there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And um, I had gone to this health ranch in Mexico. It's in Tecate, Mexico. After the diagnosis? No, before, before? with her when I was a teenager. Okay. I absolutely hated it because I went with her and her old woman friends, <laughs> and I was this young 15, 16-year-old oh, girl. Oh, God, that'd be nightmare. It was a nightmare. woman, yeah. yeah. And it was yoga and meditation and really healthy food and hiking and, you know, all all this beautiful stuff. But so I did see these women. I mean, I do remember seeing these women transform in seven days. Like, mm. they came in depressed, not sleeping, hormone issues, you know, all of these things ran the gamut. And then by the seventh day, they were different women. Like they were dancing on tables um, and really happy. So I was like, whoa, this, you know, Amazing so what can happen in seven days? Yeah. And yeah. so I kind of tapped into all that and I did. I just went down that, that roadway to, I became vegan. I started juicing. I went into therapy. I also um, looked into holistic alternatives. You know, I, I went to a natural path. I went to acupuncture. Um, I did it all, basically. And so that's lots of great places to go. But what ended up being your prescription for treatment? Like, what what were the, you oh, did acupuncture? Yeah, I well, the yep. treatment was I did half the radiation. Okay. So I did that, um, and then during that time, I did all of these alternatives. Okay. And then I ended up you know, being fine. So I was lucky. Did you, is this when you introduced fasting? Were you fast? Did you fast? I actually was, I definitely cleansed. Right. Um, I was actually doing more juicing okay. in those days. So, yeah. um, you know, more, a little bit of master cleanse. Yeah. I, you probably know that in those days. And then juices. Wow, cool. and, and then I'd also just, I'd have salads. I, I really couldn't kind of go to, through the day without eating something. Okay. So I would eat raw food or something or like a soup Okay. So, Are you hypoglycemic or? I am. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Low would, blood pressure. Okay. Yeah. So Adrenal fatigue. You and fasting, not best friends. Right. Yeah. Cleansing yeah. is a, a, a superior alternative for you. Yeah. I okay. cleanse with real food. So how long did it take to you until you got the all clear? I would say it was probably about six months. Wow. Um, I mean, any... I was all clear after the radiation. So, okay. and then um, just, you know, I kept, I mean, I got checked for like 10 years, right. basically every year. Um, but the sad thing is with my story was that then after that, I ended up um, having two children, but I got, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune disease. And then I got hypothyroidism. Um, they also radiated my thyroid. So it was sort of a given that I was going to get something thyroid related. 
And then 11 years later, after my diagnosis, my husband was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What are the odds? I know. Really, you know, nowadays, the odds are higher. Really? But I think those days, they we didn't hear of a lot of those stories. That was 10 years after your diagnosis? Yeah. Did you guys feel relatively well-equipped to be able to go, well, okay, well, we've kind of been here before. We can, I did. We can deal with this beast. I did. Um, yeah. He was terrified. So he went into a different mindset. He was terrified. He listened to everything the doctor said. Um, he was a little farther along than my diagnosis. His dad also passed away of melanoma when he was two. I don't know if that played into his emotional you know, feeling about cancer. Uh, So that, I know that that was terrifying for him when his dad died. How old were your kids when the diagnosis came So they were seven and uh, like four and a half. Wow. Yeah. So he ended up dying a year and a half after his diagnosis. He was 45. He had two bone marrow transplants, which is a little bit unheard of in a year and a half. And um, he really just, they took him down to nothing. Like he died of fungal pneumonia. Yeah. He really didn't die from the cancer, per se. That's what I've heard. Most people who end up dying from cancer don't end up dying from cancer. It's the, right. the immune issues that come with it. His immune system was completely shot. And he, the interesting thing is um, he looked really strong and healthy. Yeah. And um, but were you, try, were you trying to provide advice to him that he just wasn't receiving? Yeah. That, how, no, uh, like I can imagine... It's one thing to have someone come to you as a client and you're giving them advice and like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, look, I'm going to do my thing. And there's no real connection. It's another right. thing if it's a friend. It's another thing it's a family member. But, what, but when it's your, your partner, it's your husband who's been with you through the same thing. I know. But I'm curious to understand, like, does that make you look at your approach and go, okay, I need to, uh, did it alter the way that you communicate to people in order to influence them? Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because in those days, you know, when he was, I was scared too. And then we had these two children. So I was very aggressive about my approach with him. And, you know, I really was trying to force some issues on uh, him. Okay. So, which wasn't the best either for where he was at with his but emotional it's understandable. Yeah. So, um, but he, he was like, interestingly, he was a, he loved sugar. He was a sugar, mm. he had to have dessert after every meal, not the sugar. Personally, you know, solely gives you cancer. He also was a huge animal protein eater. He lo- definitely ate the Atkins way. Right. Um, there's a lot of things that after, you know, learning about all these cancer and what causes cancer, um, that he did, uh, more so than I did. Not that, you know, he basically, he exercised, he was very stressed. He was a high stress guy, really stressful job, but he would get up at 5 30 morning and do like a really hardcore workout. He never gave himself like time to really chill and relax. So he didn't sleep many hours. Um, you know, sugar was his thing. I mean, he just, he was really, you know, trying to climb the corporate ladder fast. And, um, he wasn't really taking care of himself, I think, in, in a loving way, the way he should have. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned from a, uh, from an, a specialist perspective in terms of, because I see this all the time in business where you see someone has a problem, you go, oh, I got the answer for that. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And, you know, my, my, my methodology is I treat like what I do as if, as if I have the cure for cancer. I mean no disrespect to anyone listening, especially yourself, um, because it requires a level of, like, it's almost like to me, the more invested you are in the cure, 
and the person that you're speaking to, the less likely you are to walk away without them actually taking it. And so I, you know, I, I create this metaphor for people where I say, okay, that you need to treat like what you have as the cure for something. And when you find someone who has that disease, you imagine it's your mum and you've got the cure for cancer. What lengths would you go to morally and ethically in order to get them across the line to you know, swallow that pill? So I'm curious, from your perspective, like what, what lessons did you learn about the, the bedside approach or the therapeutic approach with your husband that you now apply in everyday life when it comes to you know, influencing people to be open to this kind of information? I think that what I, you know, I, I really try to... I know there's going to be someone listening to this. <laughs> I need to get my husband to listen to this. He's not going to, or my wife or my daughter. Or, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard when it's, it's someone hard. that is really personal. You have to take a step back right. and um, you have to have faith in them. You know, I think I wasn't sure I had faith in him, which is sad because I should have. Um, but you have to have faith in them and energetically you have to, I feel, send them love and send them that feeling like, I totally believe in you. Mm. You're going to get through this and I believe in you. Um, so I think there's a, I think there's a heartfelt connection that needs to happen. Um, a feeling of like building them up and realizing that they are really important and, you know, people that you you want in your life you want them to get better um and then basically you you kind of have to step back after that other than you know you have to you give them advice but you have to step back and hope and pray that they take it um i just i do that's what i do with my clients i mean i do believe they can get better Mm -hmm. i believe everybody can heal from Mm -hmm. anything so i'm hoping that that you know energy transfers to them that's and that the love that I feel for them or the compassion that I feel for them, that what they're going through. Because I know I've been in those mm. dark, dark places as well. And I'm sure it gives you a lot of perspective as well when you're sitting down with someone because you've been there yeah. on both sides yeah. of the equation. So you've now become, as a result of tragedy, you've now become you know one of the leading experts and holistic nutritionists. Um, what I'm curious to know is when someone presents to you now do you have do you customize your approach when it comes to health depending on the individual or do you think it's like a one size fits all absolutely not a one size fits all it's definitely personal um cuz everyone has gone through different forms of emotional well-being trauma um they all have they all come to where they are today in such different ways how they were raised how they ate you know just in terms of how they were loved all of those things are so crucial. I think that um, I was saying earlier, you know. Yeah, I was going to say you mentioned. Yeah, the first seven years of your life, your subconscious is fully downloaded. So I think, you know, also in birth in utero with when you're in the womb, there's a lot of stuff happening for mom and dad, you know, that you can feel and sense. I think we sense that. Um, so I think when you come into the world, do you come into the loving environment with your parents and where you are, you know, in your family and do they are, is it the safe environment? Those are all things I think that are crucial that I ask people. Um, because a lot of times I would say majority of the cases that I see, they would say, no, it wasn't loving. It wasn't safe. God, now that I go back to that, this happened, my parents got divorced, you know, in those early years, there was a death, there was, you know, abuse, there's, even it can be something to someone saying you are not smart or you're not pretty or, you know, those things leave an impact in us, in our DNA and our cells when we're so young and we have no voice, you know, we just kind of absorb it. 
I think all of that is so crucial for you know where you're at today and what kind of illness. Because you, you mentioned have. that with everyone that you've treated, they've usually had one or more mild to severe traumas within those first seven years. Totally. In every Absolutely. single case. Yeah, every single case, and we've all had trauma in our life yeah. at some point. So I guess the question then begs to be asked: How much of the, the diseases that we're seeing coming through, how much of them are, let's call it lifestyle, health, nutrition, and how much of it is, you know, trauma or energy, you know? In- yeah. Um, that's such a great question. I love this question. I, basically, I think it's trauma, energy. I think that um, there's a book that came out a couple of years ago called Radical Remission. It was written by a woman, Kelly Turner, she did her PhD for 10 years and she interviewed stage four cancer cases, let's say, speaking of cancer. And she came up with 10 modalities of how these people healed. These people healed from stage four cancer. The seven of them were emotional. So the eighth one was food, ninth one was supplements, 10th one was exercise. Wow. This says it all. I mean, definitely those things play a part. Yeah. Diet, you know, the toxins we're exposed to, which is a big thing for me in my cleansing world. Um, we come, you know, we're exposed to toxins in the womb. The mother's milk has toxins. We come into the world, as you know, with the water and the air and just, you know, the, the clothes we wear or the food we eat. I mean, it's toxic. Mm. And then we get these viral issues um, that, you know, come into play with our, you know, the sicknesses and viruses and pathogens, and they all love to hang out in the body mm. and they, and they hang out in the organs. So they party in the organs and basically you can live your life with toxic organs. Let's mm. say um, we all have microscopic cancer cells, but if you're stressed and emotionally not doing well, not taking care of yourself, not sleeping and not eating well, um, you know, nutrient deprived, all those things, then I think these illnesses raise their ugly head. I was having a conversation the other day with a really interesting character who's, who said his belief was, he said, I believe that all disease and all cancer is some result of stress, whether it be, um, you know, biological stress in the form of the stress we put our body under based on the foods that we're trying to consume, uh, psychological stress, you know, mental stress, emotional stress. He says, when you add all those factors up, they essentially create an environment that it left unregulated will create blockages and become toxic. And he said, so my, his words were, he said, my belief is the real cause of cancer is the inability to regulate stress in whatever form that takes. What's your take on that? hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Agree. Agree with him. Yeah. It's uh we just, we don't know how to, we have, we're living in a stressful world. So, mm. um, just now I think we're, you know, really tapping into more meditation and more yoga and trying to, you know, do meditation and breathe, breath work and all these things that will de-stress us more often. But it's just really been in the last five years that we have, you know, those apps have come up or, you know, you um, like meditation studios mm. and, all these things have popped up. So because of what's happening, you know, illness rates are not going down. The cancer rates are going up. Autoimmune rates are going up. I mean, we're not a healthy society and it is because of stress. Do you think we need to start looking at, um, as a society, a much greater focus on early intervention? And I'm talking like uh, in the first seven years 
Because it's interesting, if you look at disease, if you look at cancer, if you look at addiction, they can all be tra- traced back to the individual's inability to regulate. Yeah. And so to me, it seems like there's this, this, this chronic epidemic of irregular, in, inability, individuals with the inability to regulate effect, effectively. And it seems to be then being passed on and then passed on. And now it becomes a, a genetic download. Yeah. How do we break the cycle? I love that question too, because, um, I think you can break the cycle. I mean, that's what I've tried to do with, I have two girls, they're 24 and 21. Is it fair to say in your belief system that some of the stress that we deal with isn't actually ours, it's ancestral? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I love like, I love therapy. I love talk therapy. I love energy healing. I, you know, Reiki, all of the different modalities of really tapping into that ancestral. I love psychedelics. Beautiful. I've done two psilocybin journeys this summer that were life-changing. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely life-changing. And I got to visit and see all of my ancestral, some of it, not Beautiful. probably all of it, but Beautiful. you know, lineage that I came from. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really amazing. I had that on a DMT experience. I got shown my entire I had two experiences. One was um actually no, sorry, one was psilocybin, one was DMT. Right. And the first one on DMT, I got shown my blood lineage. And she was like, she was like, I want you to see how many people have been born and died to get you where, to where you are right now. Look what we've gone through to get you here. Yeah. And the second one was, um, yeah, ancestral energetic, where I was surrounded by medicine men and shown that you come from a long line of medicine men. Wow. And I was completely blown away. It was just, yeah, it was incredible. And it's one of those things until you experience it, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about. I know. It, it's... What was the therapeutic value for you in doing those journeys? The value, the first journey was um, so incredible because I did it to just tap into like, you know, was everything going to be okay? Were my girls going to be okay? Just, you know, all, I just wanted to get to that place in my life where, okay, everything is going to be fine, no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, and that I was shown that on the first journey. It was like, everything's going to be okay. And that's when... I completely got to relax and to, you know, just have more fun with what I'm doing and go with the flow and just be more present and realize, wow, I'm so grateful and lucky that I get to do what I do and that I, that I am who I am because mm. I, I don't think I ever experienced that as much. And I do think by doing those journeys and by all of the energy work I've done with healers and talk therapy, I've been able to pass that on to my girls mm. and offer a whole different perspective for them. You know, this, a supportive perspective for, you know, what they're going through, being able to really talk about their traumas because losing their dad at like, you know, 10 and seven was so traumatic. And then there was other traumas that went on as well in their life. So, I have honed in on really trying to heal those traumas for them, helping them heal those traumas. I know we never fully heal. We're always going to take them with us, but we can get to a better place yeah. where, like I am today. I honestly think psychedelics can play a huge role in breaking the pattern yeah. and passing down the, the, the ancestral chain. 100%. I and was It's amazing so blown how progressive <laughs> it's becoming over here. Like yeah. uh, Colorado, I think it's Colorado, yeah. Denver, Sacramento. Uh, so, yeah, California. Yeah. It's now so, just, yes. it's tip, tip, tip. Because it's interesting when you look at the research. The research has been there since the 1940s, mm-hmm. 1950s, mm-hmm. 1960s. Yeah. But one of the things I actually found interesting was the, the stage 4 cancer research that was done with psilocybin, where they were actually administering psilocybin to stage 4 cancer patients mm-hmm. um, to remove uh, that... that uh, the fear? Yeah, the yes. stage 4 fear of death. Yeah, I thought that was so beautiful. Incredible. I know. Incredible. It's life-changing for depression, mm. anxiety. I mean, 
stress, anxiety, depression, they go hand in hand. I mean, yeah. that's all kind of, you know, funneling into the illness, the cancer, the, you know, just digestive issues, all this stuff. I mean, and when you can like really experience yourself in a different light and, you know, feel protected and feel like you're, you know, part of a bigger universe. Yeah. It's like, whoa. When you connect to something bigger than yourself and you realize that you are it. Yeah. <laughs> and everything is you and you are everything. Yeah. You just you, realize it's all good. Yeah. And to get to that place is that peace. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I think, what is the the, the secret, you do know, you, is icing on the cake. Do you think that's the purpose of trauma? Because when you look at some spiritual teachers, they talk about the importance of pain. And they say pain the greater the pain, the greater the awakening, and pain is require is a requirement, you know, of the spiritual journey. Um, do you think, you know, trying to create an environment where we have the absence of trauma is perhaps a little bit naive, where we need to be not trying to remove trauma, but learn how to deal with it more effectively? Yes, I do. I think trauma is important. Yes, absolutely. I think stress, trauma, all that stuff is important. It's all important. Yeah, you don't get you don't build muscle without getting. <laughs> no, resistance. no, you have yeah. to. I mean, I look back at my life and there was a real, there was a so much stress and so much trauma. But now I look back and go, wow, I am such a better person. I'm a stronger person. I, you know, I know that I can really climb lots of mountains. Um, and I don't, I'm not afraid. And that is probably the most incredible feeling mm. ever to be sitting here saying that. That's what I want for my girls, for people, you know, that are around me to feel. I mean, because that's when you overcome cancer and overcome these health issues, because you know, you know, that everything's going to be okay. You know, you can get over this mountain of health, you know, whatever that mountain is, if it's a health issue. Mm. I just believe, you know, when you believe in yourself, and another thing I ask my clients a lot is, do you love yourself? And I would say 99% say no. Wow. Mm -hmm. So with the journeys... You know, I, I, and with therapy and energy healing, you can tap more back into that. Mm. And I think that is crucial. Julie, we are really lucky to be living in a very exciting age when we're looking at the, the third wave of psychedelics. We're now looking at the FDA calling MDA one of the greatest, you know, therapeutic intervention tools for PTSD. Right. Um, we, it is really quite exciting, but it, we, we have to be careful that we don't overpopularize it like Timothy Leary did in a way that was perhaps brought unwanted attention. And so I, I don't think psychedelics so much about them as a fad or as, as much as a movement. But there are a lot of fads around, especially in the health space. You know, fasting is one, intermittent fasting is, is an evolution of that. What's your take on fasting? I mean, I really do love intermittent fasting oh, um, for for some people. Right, uh, like we were talking earlier, you know, people with blood sugar issues, yeah. um, chronic fatigue, you know, low blood pressure, certain things like that that might not be the best for them. Uh, but intermittent to give your body a break from digesting food is crucial because mm. we're just digesting all night long, all day long. I mean, I just feel like we're always eating, and our body needs a break to like reset you know, regenerate, um, and it's important. So, For the people that have the low blood pressure or the hypoglycemia, uh, are there tools and methods for them to have, you know, get access to the same level of therapeutic benefit yes. without having to go through? With my clients who have Because you that. look at caloric restriction as one method. Yeah. You know, that right. seems to be quite potent as well. Right. With my clients that have that, what I, the collagen powder, it is a very much, it could be a fad, but it's very popular right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, the bovine peptides, hydrolyzed, yeah. right? 
So I'm a fan too. Like, um, and so what I do with them is I have them in the morning put it in their coffee or their matcha. Mm. And so they get that protein, they get those amino acids, they get that satiation. Yep. Um, and I have them do like some MCT oil, you know, a little bit quasi bulletproof yep. movement thing. Um, that Dave Asprey does. Is that one of your goals when you're working with a client is to get them to become fat adapted as quickly as possible? Yes. Or move them into becoming fat adapted? Yeah. What is fat adapted for those who don't know? Well, it's, I mean, fat is really crucial. Like fat for our body, you know, if we can really metabolize it, we will, our metabolism will burn faster. You know, just our hormones will work better. Brain will work better. You know, hormones come from fat, don't they? Cholesterol. Right. So I just, you know, some people don't, aren't going to get there with the Mm. livers that aren't healthy, then it's a tricky. So I do, you know, I do work off of a lot of blood tests where, you know, they get their liver enzymes checked. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like we're talking about cleansing, like cleansing the gut, cleansing the liver on an ongoing basis um, with certain foods and, and some supplements too. So I think the liver is crucial and gut to be healthy. So it's, it's not that, that healthy. None of us yeah. really have a healthy gut or liver. And a lot of that comes down to the foods that we eat, even if you're eating healthy foods. Right. Because if we're eating genetically modified food that has been genetically modified to kill bacteria on the plant, it's going to kill bacteria in your stomach as well. Isn't this right? Yeah. No, I mean, we don't really have enough beneficial bacteria in our gut. Mm. So that is a big issue. And um, that is so crucial for mood, for, you know, immune system. I mean, every, also to break down our food mm. and actually get the nutrients that we need from the food. So what's an approach to health? Because, you know, one of the, and this is what I'm learning, that health is so customized. It really is like a paint job. You know, you've got to do it the way the individual needs it and wants it based on their own requirements. But are there some general rules that we can all follow? Or are there categories of general rules that we can follow in order to cleanse ourselves on a regular basis or have a schedule for cleansing? Absolutely. It's, it's not supposed to be hard. So, I mean, when people, when we say cleanse, detox, people kind of go, <gasps> you know, they freak out because they, they think it means like, I got to juice all day. I got to drink water all day. But cleansing is just about de-stressing, mm-hmm. you know, getting yourself back to a more peaceful place. Um, sleeping like eight hours. I, I call it eight, nine hours for, you know, my clients. Um, some people are fine with seven, but, you know, so your body can reset and regenerate um, and your cells can, you know, duplicate in a healthy way. Um, it's drinking enough water. It's all these free things, you know, drinking half your body weight in water at least, filtered water, water that's clean. Um, that's half your body weight? Half your body weight in water at least. Every day? Every day, uh, yes. Hang on, let me get this right. <laughs> half your body weight in water. So yeah. if I'm... 90 kilos, I should be drinking 45 kilos of water a day? Get the fuck out of town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know, That's I don't, I don't, kilos. I don't like, know the kilos. How many, how many ounces is that? What does that translate That's like 45, there's 30 grams. <laughs> so, cause I know for me, it's yeah. like I'm 60 ounces. Right. So, yeah, weigh okay. like, yeah, 112. <laughs> So 60 ounces. So yeah. Yeah, right. So really, I mean, water is crucial. Like, you know, where we need to be hydrated. That's so important. Um, and then eating real food, going back to no added sugars, no getting away from the gluten and the dairy and the GMO and the processed foods and eating real food is Is gluten 
an enemy because it's been around for centuries. I know. We've been eating pasta and bread for, for centuries, but now all of a sudden it's being demonized because of gluten. Yeah. But I'm hearing some people say, you know, gluten's, gluten's just, he's getting the rap. It's actually the, the GMO that is causing these issues. It's the way that these foods have been modified and how it's affecting the, the bacteria and the digestion and the gut. What are we to believe? It's that, you're right, the GMO and how these foods and how wheat is being raised these days. I mean, they're used to... Even the pesticides that are being used. Yes. I mean, there used to be uh, like a certain number of chromosomes for wheat. Now those chromosomes have like doubled. So it's kind of like we're... And it's just hard for us to break down in our body. So everything's... And also breads and like all the wheat things, we've added gluten to the products to make them bigger and fluffier, mm. especially in America, you know? Right. So, I mean, you go to Europe and people can definitely eat the pizza and the pasta and not have stomach issues or digestive issues mm. and be fine with gluten. But here we've just, you know, yes, the way we raise the wheat, the GMO, the, you know, the added gluten to the products and how much we eat. Mm. We overdo breads and, you know, pastas and all of those things. That's, you know... Th- Overdoing foods is also an issue because coffee, as you know, isn't bad for you, but overdoing coffee can be bad for you. Sugar isn't bad for you, but overdoing it, right, is bad for you. So it's like it's just overdoing. Right. Moderation. Right. So it's like, you know, gluten is just, it is getting the bad rap or soy is getting the bad rap. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, in Japan, people eat soy their whole life, right? Yeah. And are healthy, healthy, healthy. I mean, some of the longest living people in Okinawa live on soy, but here it's because it's GMO and um, it's heavily processed and it's soy lecithin is in all these processed foods. We build up an intolerance to it. One of the things that I've learned through my own fasting experience, I had a, um, a health crisis in 2000 where I just woke up one day and I just had all these just red lumps all over my body. Like they just came up out of nowhere and I had no energy, could barely get out of bed. Uh, and I went to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, here's a, and I hadn't been to the doctor at this point, maybe Eight years, and the doctor gave me a because I was relatively healthy, healthy but yeah. I hadn't, I wasn't healthy, healthy per se. But I'd been a personal trainer, you know, I was a bodybuilder, so I, I knew how to eat well. And then I get given the script for antibiotics. I remember thinking, ah, oh, this is just this isn't the way. And I went home that day and I read a book on fasting and on water fasting. And from the moment I picked up the book, I stopped eating for the next five days. And what happened over the next five days was actually quite miraculous. By the fifth day, not only had I lost weight, which is a great bonus, I had more energy, more clarity. You know, I, I, I felt like I hadn't felt in years. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is a superpower. Like, this is like, you know, I, I, we could bottle this and sell this to people. <laughs> and so then subsequently, I went on for the next um, 10, 15 years. I've been fasting, like, as I said now, for almost 20 years. And I found myself for the first 15 years, I think it was up until 2015, 2016, I was fasting twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and so what for how I, long? Uh, seven to 10 days. Okay. Water fast okay. with col- one colonic a day. Okay. Um, but what I discovered is my body weight and my health would, I'd do the fast and everything would come back to baseline. It'd be great. And then I almost looked like, oh, well, I know I'm going to be fasting in six months. So I can have a little bit more sugar. I can do it. And I actually started to realize it was actually making my lifestyle worse in between. Interesting. And yeah. then off season, I would start putting the weight on. And about, oh, it's okay. I'm going to be fasting in a couple of weeks. You'll be fine. And then sure enough, I'd come back down the baseline. And I was like so doing this. So you were yo-yoing. Like, I was. Yeah. I was yo-yoing, but in a very healthy way. Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of my own there. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not healthy. 
And um, and then it was like, I think it was four years ago that I was like, okay, I, I need to stop making this um, an event base yeah. um, solution and start making this Party a lifestyle. lifestyle. And that's when I started intermittent fasting. And that was a game changer yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. And I started off on the, um, uh, the 14, 12, and I now do the, the 18, 6, and sometimes the 24, 4. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe um, if you look at uh, fasting and meditation, they're the two best anti aging, life changing, life prolonging, you know, um, tools that you can give another human being. But I found when I started to integrate on a daily basis, my body was just cleansing daily. I wasn't cleansing twice a year. Right. I, I started to find myself going, wow. Because I know what a cleanse, I know what my body feels like now when it's detoxing. I know yeah. what it smells like. Right. You know, I, I know the signs. And so, wow, my body's actually doing this every day now. And I started to have that feeling that I'd have at the end of the fast that I'd normally have for about two or three weeks and then lose it. And I yeah. started having it every single day. More energy to know what to do with, sleeping less, you know, eating less, mm-hmm. uh, be, getting stronger, putting on more muscle. Like, there were just so many benefits after benefit after benefit after benefit. So I'm curious to know, like, it, it, when it comes to intermittent fasting, it is a bit of a fad. It's not for everyone. Right. But how do people approach intermittent fasting in an intelligent way to identify the schedule or the routine or the protocol that's going to be best for them? I kind of go with a, just a really easy routine protocol for most of my clients. I would say I try to get them to go 16 hours without eating. So I think that that's, you know, but most of them go tw- can go 12, but 16 is great, I think, for, for brain health. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but I, but my fasting is a little bit like a quasi not true water fasting through that, that time period, yep. that 16 hours. I let them potentially have a green juice, okay. but that's a green juice with no, um, fruit. So it's just greens. And then I also let them have a cup of coffee with the collagen. So right. they're not digesting anything, but they're having like a couple of liquids and something that satiates them, that holds them longer. Yep. Sometimes those people can, then when they have lunch, I usually try to get them to do more plant-based lunch, right. you know, so it's easier to digest. Um, and then, you know, dinner also is something that I do really like more plant-based living um, and throwing in animal You're protein. Still vegan? I am not a vegan. Okay. So throwing in animal protein like four times a week. But not every meal. So, I mean, I know that's a bit controversial these days too. No, save the plants. <laughs> exactly. So it's plants like, have feelings too, right, people. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, plants are our lifeline. They are. So fruits they, and they vegetables. They communicate. They talk. They, they feel talk. stressed. They right. know when they're about to be harvested. Yeah, exactly. They just can't scream. Right. <laughs> well, right. The or they can, but we can't hear it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I kind of got every client to like. It's wild how wonderful they feel after five days of just doing that. Um, a lot, of, and some don't do the juice, but they'll just do their coffee or matcha because a lot of people do drink coffee. Yeah. And uh, and then they're satiated for hours. They're like, "Wow, I'm not hungry. I'm energized. My brain is mentally, you know, on fire." And it's it's great. I love the idea of the teaspoon of collagen. That's great. Yeah. I actually, it wasn't until I, I watched a podcast on Joe, from Joe Rogan's, and I because I was of the belief that you could actually have black coffee in the morning and that wouldn't bring you out of ketosis. Yeah. But then I learned there was different types of ketosis. Yeah. Um, and I'm still learning if I'm, if I'm completely honest because um, I'd take, you know, I'd have a black coffee in the morning or I'd have my supplements in the morning. But then I discovered, no, that's not anything that activates the liver, the enzymes yeah. in the livers will take you out of, out of the fasting process. So when we look at fasting, break it down. Like what are the different mechanics and what are the different forms of ketosis? How do we know if we're in fast or not? Well, or in ketosis, or yeah. not, I should say. I mean, 
I am not like a humongous fan of ketosis. Okay. So I think that, I basically think that, um, I think that's a hard thing to maintain for people. That is a hard thing to keep. But isn't ketosis just a natural side effect of intermittent fasting? You, you are going to become fat adapted. And so as a result, you will have a higher levels of ketone. I'm not talking about becoming ketogenic. Yeah. I'm, I'm just talking yeah, about as a natural process. It is a little bit of a natural process, yeah. but I think my cleansers don't really probably get there because of the okay. coffee and the collagen gotcha. and all of that. I mean, I'm just give, I am just striving for giving their digestive system a break. Mm-hmm. I'm more so in that mode of like, let's just give your digestive system a break, you know, and see how you feel in terms of like, without having constantly digesting food. Mm. So that for me has seemed to work really well. Um, I'm not a true like ketosis girl and testing my, you know, if I'm in ketosis, um, I just think that we just need to like give ourselves a break simplify. from, you simplify. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I find the clients get like their head starts to spin with all the, you know, trying to tell them how to That's eat. Exactly what and, happened with me. And mm-hmm. in the end I was like, Fuck it. What does it matter? If you want right. to have a black coffee, have a black right. coffee. It's fucking working. Yeah. It's still working. It's still working. Right. Yeah. They're losing weight. They're feeling good. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm aiming for. Is like, because you're still getting the, the benefits energy. of caloric restriction. Yeah. That's yeah. it. The calorie restriction is more of what I'm Autophagy. Mm-hmm. Talk to us right. about that. Killing off the cells, the bad cells. Mm. I mean, that. Because that's obviously what, to me, that's like, yeah. I, that's yeah. the main, one of the most incredible benefits of, of fasting is, yeah. is this, this biological process where we literally start cannibalizing ourselves. And I think that there's a a fasting mimicking protocol right now out on the market called Prolong. Do you know about that? No, I do not. So P-R-O-L-O-N. And it was designed by the head of the Longevity Center at USC. His name is Dr. Longo, Robert Longo. And um, it's very popular right now in the States. And it is a five-day fasting mimicking protocol where in a box, you get all of the food you need for the five days and you put your body into, yeah, you kill off the bad cells. And he basically says it's incredible for anti-aging. You just do this three times a year and you really could turn back the clock. Mm. Um, also, it's like there's all this research coming out about people are doing it before they do chemo. So they're killing off, you know, those bad cells. You, well, again, I would come back and my, my response would be, why would you only do it three times a year? Because if you're, if you're doing intermittent fasting properly, you're doing yeah. it every day. Yes. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, like a lot of people have a hard time, I think, sticking to intermittent fasting yep. every day. I mean, I love it. I have it's like, a religion I've, for me. Yeah, it is a religion for I'm me too. i four years now, like a religion. Yeah. I've converted thousands of people. It's, right. Yeah. I, same here. I just, Drink I my like, Kool-Aid. yeah, I'm really, <laughs> yeah. It's free. I love Another it. one. But I, a lot of clients, they just like with their lifestyle and their commitments, it's a little hard for them to do. So I think that's bullshit. Because when you say, oh, my, my, because people say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit too busy. It's like, great. It'll be perfect for you. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Well, now you, you, you don't have a meal. to. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> just yeah, breakfast. You, make breakfast. You just got an hour of your life back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's quite caught on as it will. I yeah. think as, you know, the more people that everybody's, people still think breakfast is like the most important meal. Oh my I mean, God. I don't. And it's, it's taken a little time to get people to like get to the other side. So, and you know, people are always saying like, oh, I have, you know, blood sugar issues or like, you know, I'm just, I'm starving when I wake up. So, 
you know, I'm like, well, let's try to like just go a couple days and not do it and then see how you feel. So just trying to get people to ease into it yeah. um, has been really beneficial, but it, I think it's, it seemed hard to get people to do it ongoing Yeah, for some reason, sadly. Well, I think people just lack commitment maybe. Mm-hmm. Got to find a reason right. big enough. Right. Food therapy. Um, I never realized how therapeutic food was in my life. Like mm-hmm. for me, when I look back prior to becoming consciously awake, I really was cruising through life from one substance of food to another, really just trying to create a state of feeling. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the very first fast that I did. I think it was like on day three, I woke up and all of a sudden I just, I got all this emotion. I I started to cry and all of a sudden I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then I, I, I thought nothing of it. I dismissed it. And then the next fast, something similar happened. And then in, in the same fast, I was actually having a, uh, and this was super interesting. Actually, I don't know if I'll go there now. No, I will. Um, it was super interesting. I was having a, a colonic and I was massaging my colon as my, 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 my bowel was filling with water. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this massive wave of pain came over me. And I remember feeling like, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to oh my God, and I just felt this deep uncomfort. And then all of a sudden, the vomit, the, uh, the, the, the nausea was replaced with um, emotion. And I started to well up and I started to cry. And all of a sudden, I had a release. And wow, you should, I won't explain. You should have yeah. seen what came out. But <laughs> I'm not I, as sure what I know. came out, I've got photos. <laughs> as, as it came out of me, I had this clear recollection that I was, I was beside a freeway I was eating a hot dog, I was hmm. drinking a strawberry milk, and I was having a vicious argument with my girlfriend at the time. Whoa. So vicious that the police had pulled over and asked us if we were okay because we were just having the screaming match. It was like a, a two-hour, and in that two-hour screaming match beside the road, I had eaten two hot dogs and drunk basically a litre of strawberry milk. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this memory came flashing back to me, and I was like... And that was a true memory? That was a true memory. And I was like, what? that all about Mm -hmm. and then i started to research and realized that you know we as we consume food we're imprinting information we're imprinting uh energy Mm -hmm. information thought memories and that stuff's actually traveling through our body and depending on the constitution of that food if it gets stuck in there so is that energy and i had no idea that i was trapping i was trapping emotions inside me that i was actually trying to relieve through the substances that i was using food therapy yeah and it wasn't until I removed the food that all the issues came to the surface and it actually gave me the opportunity to deal with it. And that to me was one of the most therapeutic aspects of fasting was going, wow, I actually didn't just create the space for my body to heal. I actually created the space for my soul to actually heal as well. Is this something that you see is quite common with the work oh, that you absolutely. do? absolutely. Absolutely. It's like... It's such a beautiful thing to actually see people get to that place that you're talking about. Um, you know, yes, they remove like their cravings or the things that aren't good for them. And, um, even though they, you know, we get addicted to these substances that are good for us. And when they remove them, yes, like it's very emotional. And, you know, because we're doing it for a reason. We're eating those things that we know aren't good for us Mm. because we're stuffing down feelings, Mm. I think. And then, so when we let it out, when we let those foods go, we can, then it leaves space for the feelings to come up. And actually, like, again, it's like the truest form of health is dealing with the emotional component and also dealing, you know, with the, just the deep rooted, Mm. um, 
whatever's going on, toxins, you know, just like stuff in the body that emotionally and physically is where it's at always. Like I think it feels like every time I turn on, I open Facebook or if I'm getting online, I'm, I'm, I'm having another supplement thrown in my face, an anti-aging supplement, a fat loss supplement, a super vitamin, a superfood. It's sometimes very confusing to know, especially when you have some health professionals saying, you don't need any supplementation, you just need a good healthy diet. And then you have people saying, well, it's hard to get a good healthy diet because even eating good foods, there's often no nutrition in it. You sit there and go, fuck, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. What does a good basic supplement regime look like? That's such a, like, the supplement market is so crazy. Billion mm. dollar business. I mean, like, yeah, we are being. The next trillion, yeah. Trillion, yeah. We are being bombarded and people, it's so scary. People are trying, you know, one supplement today, another one the next day. I mean, they're just loading up on these supplements. And I think that is so incredibly toxic, by the way. I mean, I just think that, you know, not even knowing what works for them and what doesn't work for them, they're just like loading their body up because somebody that they follow on Instagram or social media, you know, says that it's good for them. So it is very scary. And I think that we, there are certain food, there are certain supplements and vitamins and minerals that you can't get from your diet. So I, we do know that magnesium, I'm sure you know that, Mm. that it is one of those crucial minerals that is not in the soil and it has 300 different enzymatic reactions in the body. So it really does, you know, it, it helps the cells talk to each other. So magnesium is kind of crucial, I think, for most of my clients. Um, I have them take magnesium. I think also omegas, like the anti-inflammatory fish oils, like a really high-quality one. Um, is one really, that's been filtered. One that's been filtered is yep. really crucial, too, for lowering inflammation in the body because I think it's hard to get those omegas through your diet, um, especially because you don't want to eat probably that much fish um, that isn't healthy fish because mm. it's really the waters are really polluted then vitamin d is another one that you know we're very very low on because we absorb vitamin d through our pupils of our eyes so we wear sunglasses out there we're not absorbing it and we're also you know really not out in the sun enough so we're not absorbing it through our skin so vitamin d is also really crucial and then probiotics for me are really important because I just think, I think that everyone should be on a good probiotic. I, I do too. I mean, I've seen life changing um, circumstances with just putting people on like fifty. I do fifty billion yeah. and up. So yeah. I'm fifty billion, hundred billion, hundred fifty billion. Um, yeah, I actually think that it's crucial. So fermented foods, but the probiotic is is crucial. So mm. we don't have enough beneficial bacteria in our gut, and that is a problem. Is it still safe to eat fish? Wild fish. It Wild is. fish. Yeah. And maybe not like every day, yep. you know, three, four times a week at most. Okay. And hopefully it's a really high quality Norwegian salmon. It's, you know, Atlantic. I yep. mean, I think the Pacific is polluted. Um, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Mm-hmm. It's very tough. And it's becoming harder. Mm-hmm. All of the animal protein is becoming yeah. harder. You know, it's all like filled up with antibiotics and. What hormones. are some of the best protein sub, like replacements? You've talked about collagen, but I'm curious, uh, is there others or is that the one that you would recommend the most when it comes to maintaining a high-protein diet? Because a lot of people say when it comes to training, I know you've got to eat food-based proteins. Yeah, you can have powders, but that's not going to give you the same benefits you know, for an athlete that yeah. a food-based protein or an animal protein right. does. What do you do? Well, I mean, we do know that there's really – 
fabulous athletes out there that are plant-based and vegan. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> so um, basically I'm like, I am more, I lean more on that. I do like the collagen powder if it's a grass fed and yep. really high quality. Um, but in terms of, I am also a, I'm a soy girl. So I'm an organic soy girl, whole soy product, like edamame, a cup of edamame is 20 grams of protein. I love tempeh. It's fermented. So yeah. it's yeah. easy to digest. So four ounces of that is like almost 20 grams of protein. Um, I love lentils, chickpeas, you know, the big, the beans, because they, you get sprouted ones, they've already had the hard outer coating of them removed, so they're easier to digest as well, um, and they're more bioavailable for the, the, with the protein. I, I love all of those, you know, and plants and quinoa and nuts and seeds and all of that. So, you know, I basically think you can get most of your protein mm. that way. I do, um, yeah, that's a good point. I, but I do, I, but I'm, I'm a flexitarian, so I do oh, I like watch what my body wants, and yeah. I do love salmon, and I do love some wild fish. I also, every once in a while, will have, have chicken, steak. or I actually am not really a steak girl, but okay. I will have a really good, high quality grass fed burger Ooh. twice a year type of thing. So I, I sort of like see what I crave. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really, you know, Definitely, I couldn't live vegan. I, I don't think that it's not enough food for yeah. me. Okay. Alyssa, this has been a phenomenal <laughs> conversation. Like really Covered phenomenal. All the bases. Com- hey? <laughs> Covered all the bases. We get a, we get a, lot, shit, a lot of <laughs> shit done. Um, book. Do you have a book? I do. What is it? It's called Cancer Hacks. I love the name. So it is basically what I did and my husband did right and what we did wrong in our right. cancer journeys. Um, and then just all of the stuff that I've learned along the way with cancer clients and patients um, in terms of, you know, what you can do to maybe <coughs> not get a cancer diagnosis yeah. and um, and what you can do when you actually get diagnosed with cancer. So, and I have another book in the works. Yeah. Um, it's called Autoimmune Hacks. Nice. Um, because I put myself into remission for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism oh, well after 23 years. So I'm just talking, you know, autoimmune is a huge topic right now. So. One of the things I love about your story, and I'm so grateful to have you on the show, so thank yes. you, is you're a real practitioner. You know, you're not a, because to me, there's a difference between a student and a practitioner. Like a practitioner is someone, you've been there, you've done that, you've been through it yourself and also with your husband as well. And your journey is incredibly inspiring. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that will be inspired by this. So if people want to reach out to you and talk to you and contact you, how can they find you? Well, I have a website and Instagram, Alyssa Goodman, E-L-I-S-S-A. Goodman. Yep. And then, yes, they can email me info at alyssagoodman.com. And I have. And you work with clients internationally? I work in, yes, all over the world. Yeah. I do Zoom with them and uh, work with clients. I love That's my favorite part of what I do is just being able to like tap into what they need and be able to support them and guide that's them. Sick. Because, like we were saying along the way, it's really not supposed to be hard. And I think people feel like, oh my God, this is so hard. Because we are so inundated with information these days. We mm. don't know which way to turn, so we just give up. Yeah. So to have somebody there that knows kind of what to do and how to do it um, in a simple way that works for each individual, I think is just mm. is the best gift I can offer. Alyssa Goodman, thank you so <laughs> much for being unstoppable. You are unstoppable. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. It was that fun. Was am- this episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to see all of these interviews 
in the flesh. Share this podcast with your friends and drop me a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you guys think and also let you know that your comments help make sure that we keep producing killer content just like this. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all of my movements, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com, and also check us out on all social media on the handle at Kerwin Ray. Thanks for joining us.